Hey, welcome to the Gig Life Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie Taylor. Now, before we rip into our chat with Nina Farrow, I thought I'd give you a quick update on some new music and projects that have recently been released by some of our former guests of the Gig Life Podcast. Peter Lushkin plays wonderful drums on Paul Kelly's new album called Paul Kelly's Christmas Train. Pete Drummond's mind-altering drums are all over the new Light Beyond Sleep album. Darren Mathiason and Sam Trevithick feature in the new Shapeshifter album called Rituals. Declan Kelly has a wonderful song out called Billy's On Her Way. Jim Kelly's back with You Gotta Love the Drummers Volume 2. And A. Browns also has his new debut album out now called The Confidence to Make Mistakes. So please go and track down these albums and songs and, and check them out. Um, buy them if you can. Also, gigs are back. Get out there, get to some gigs, and show your support and help rebuild our wonderful live music scene. So my guest today is Nina Farrow. What a voice. In my opinion, one of the most stunning and dynamic voices I've ever heard. She seamlessly crosses genres from pop, blues, funk and jazz. And she's got a fantastically positive attitude towards everything. So this is episode 126 and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Nina Farrow. Kick it off, eh? Oh, I think we're rolling. Nina Farrow, welcome to the Gig Life Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Stevie. Yeah, it's nice to meet you. Lovely to meet you and uh, and those of you who are listening, I can actually see you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we're just disembodied voices at yeah, this point. Yeah, that's right. You, but you can't see us, so. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so you're in, you're in Melbourne. You're getting a bit of freedoms now and uh, – Things are opening up. Um, are you you gigging again? You're, yes. You were gigging the weekend. I saw on your your social media. Yes, I was. So yep. yeah, we've I've been uh, we've been out gigging again for a little while, and uh, yes, we have our freedoms again. And it was a, it was a very long couple of years. I can tell you that much. Mm. Um, so it's it's been really fantastic to get back out there. A little bit trepidatious, like I'm yeah. I'm kind of going out like a bit of a baby, you know, gazelle <laughs> one step at a time and yeah, yeah. seeing family and friends and um, catching up with people face to face. And we, we're all, I think we're all a bit, we're all coming out of it. So there's a little bit of trauma still around all this. People are sure, eh? really feeling all sorts of things. And we're, uh, you know, we're just really aware of that with one another. And and it's why I love the industry. I love the people, the community in the arts industry because we we get it and we are there for each other, you know. Mm. So, yeah, it's uh, it's okay. We're all good. We're coming out of it. Yeah, that's good. What was that feeling like, that first gig back? Seeing, oh, well. Was, well, seeing, seeing, <laughs> well, sorry, is, um, yeah. are you at a stage there um, in Melbourne where – you know, you've got full crowds, or is it still sort of? We, res- we have now, yes. Oh, wow, as awesome. of the week, as of the weekend, just gone. Yeah, we we're we're up to full capacities again. So my first gig back, we still had restrictions, mm. um, and so I did um, instead of doing one show, we did two shows and turned the house around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was and that that was that was really great. Everyone was excited. We were, they were all happy to be there, and mm. uh, <clears throat> yeah, it, it just took a bit of uh, <laughs> took a bit of getting used to. Look, I've I've been 
I've made sure that I've, I stayed, you know, I did a lot of singing through all of the lockdowns. I continued to work my craft because I knew that as soon as we got out, mm. um, if I'd have had to start from, you know, zero again, it would have been a really tough situation, mm. really mm. tough going. So it's still, you know, there's still that extra bit where you, I did three gigs on the weekend and I woke up yesterday and I was, I was exhausted. Oh, yeah. I'd, there was just, there's that little element, that yeah. extra element of being, you know, of going out live and, and doing that. And it, it, it took a while. It's, it's going to take a while for that muscle to build up again. That's it. And we kind of get used to going, going to bed early, eh? <laughs> Oh my gosh! There's also that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? I need to be up past. I know. Here? I know. And what do you mean? I can't wear my hoodie to my gig. <laughs> That's uh, got to change yeah. <laughs> immediately. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. You were talking about doing the. So you'd be doing two shows a night. So, um, yeah. I mean, that I, I guess that wouldn't be something that that you're used to doing when you know back before COVID. It would have just been one full show. Yeah, you know, yeah. or, or two can... sets with the same people in the room, but yeah. because of the restrictions to make it work for the venue and for the artist, I suppose, we, we, we had to, in those initial stages, we, we kind of, as artists, had to work just that little bit harder yeah. to do what we normally do. But that's, you know, that's, for the most part, that doesn't need to happen anymore. Mm. However, mm. you know, I think some venues and some artists go, well, actually this this works well. Yep. It's that New York style thing where they have a show and, and you see that and then they, they go and the next lot come in and you yeah. do it again. And yeah. and as long as it's as long as it's viable financially or otherwise for both the artist and the venue, then there's there can be something good about that. Mm. Yeah. But as of now, it doesn't seem to be I don't seem to be booked in the same way as that because that was pretty much the norm anytime we were out of lockdown because yeah. we were always we always had those caps and those restrictions those density quotas mm. so we don't we mm. don't have that anymore so we'll just see what happens now that's good so the diary's yeah. starting to fill up again yeah a little bit i mean yeah. look it's it's slow and i'm also i'm also being a bit picky about yeah. what i'm doing because if if the last you know 18 months to 2 years has taught me anything it's to, it's it's it gave me the opportunity to have a really good look at my life and the kind of gigs I've been doing and what what do I want to do now? And um, I feel like in this initial stages, I'm happy to be out there and I'm doing them and mm. it's great fun and I'm connecting with people again. I'm connecting with my fans, just audiences, people, other musicians, the venues again. And I'm also being mindful about, you know, what I, what I actually want to achieve and mm. how I want to how I want to present yeah, yeah. myself, my music, all yeah. that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I know people <laughs> just out, just generally outside of music or whatever, but, um, yeah, they, they see this as a, as a, as a reset. Hey, like they just, absolutely. you know, oh, before yep. that was just, I don't know how I went. I don't know how I was stayed yeah. that busy and like, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's crazy. I'm a little bit like that. Um, the yeah. thing that I'm, that's bothering me the most now, you know, um, especially Sydney. I mean, I, I was lucky enough to be able to work work through um, COVID, but you know there was hardly any traffic on the roads. 
Yeah, I'll get to. <laughs> that's the, that's exactly what's going on here. Oh every, every, man! I, and and we've all forgotten how to drive. Exactly. It seems not exactly. me. Exactly. <laughs> no, not me either. <laughs> but everybody else. And it uh, takes. Oh, it, it took me. It took me an hour and a half mm. to do a distance that should really have only taken me forty minutes at the time of day that I was going. And mm. I just went, "Oh, this has got whiskers on it. I'm not happy with this. Yeah. What's going on?" Yeah. And then the cost of petrol. And look, like I said, it's going to take a while. For things to balance out again we can't expect to just go back to back to how it was Mm. that's never going to happen and and to find some equilibrium with with everything again yeah yeah Yeah. um because i i come from a a small town in new zealand and you know if you ever saw more than four or five cars driving along a road at the same time (laughs) you'd think there was something on right That's your, that's your peak hour, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I'm not saying it got quite that quiet here in Sydney, but um, and my mum and dad, they live up at up at um, up towards Gloucester Way now, oh. and we went up there, and it's so so very quiet, and it kind of reminds us of you know being back in New Zealand, and then oh. and that feeling for me when I first arrived in Sydney from the small town, and just seeing oh. it was just the the. The shock of all the traffic, it's kind of like that again. It's chaos. I know, right? <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's unadulterated chaos. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's cool. All right. So uh, what I think we might do now, if it's all right with you, we'll roll right back to how it all started for you. And um, Yeah. So you, you were born, uh, you're born in Australia. So where in Australia were you born? And, and tell us a little born... bit about your family. Yeah. Do you have a musical family and that, that kind of stuff? Sure, sure. Mm. Well, I was born here in Melbourne. Okay. Uh, I'm born to, uh, I'm of Italian parentage. My Both my parents were born in Italy, but they came out here um, as children with their parents mm-hmm. and they met here. Uh, mm. So, yes, I was born here and so was, I've got a brother, a younger brother. And in terms of coming from a musical family, I want to say yes, even though not, neither of my parents or any of the members of my family other than myself are professional musicians, they all have music talents and they, they are crazy for music. When, when people ask me, oh, did your parents ever play an instrument? I, I used to say, yes, they played the record player. Yeah. Like that was a really, really important instrument in our house. It was constantly on. And we, we'd listen to everything from, you know, Pavarotti opera to George Benson to, you know, and everything in the middle. And they loved 50s rock and roll. So I was kind of bottle-fed on Elvis Presley mm. and um, and that sort of 1950s, 60s mm. type music, which is a wonderful, it's wonderful music because it incorporated so much of what I ended up doing in my own career. I, I never really grew up with jazz, but I became a jazz singer. And, mm. and once I started studying jazz, I realised just how much jazz I'd actually listened to by listening to these other artists. So it was a it was a great education across section, and it was always a, a happy situation. Music was always being played, and so for me that that's been that was the biggest influence. Um, we've got painters in the family, you know. Back in Italy, I've got an uncle who's a painter, and my my brother paints, my dad paints. Um, my brother's quite musical as well, plays instruments, and he's a natural born actor and comedian. Even though he doesn't do any of this <laughs> as a job, um, <laughs> my mother's got a beautiful voice. My dad's mother was an opera singer, again not professional, but was a mezzo soprano opera singer. So there's a lot of yeah, just little. There's some lineage that that's there, and yeah. I'm I'm the one that just kind of took it on as a career and and was 
always supported in that choice too. So I was really, I was really quite blessed that both my parents um, supported me very, very much in my uh, desire to be a, um, a jobbing, performing, living, breathing musician, creative person. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Do you remember the, the, around the moment or around the time you, you first started singing, were you singing along, yeah. singing along to everything? Oh yeah. I was. Forever? I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been singing along to everything, and I was always I was dancing as a child as well. So, okay. I, I was always in that that sort of that side of things. Mm. And my mum was quite. My mum used to dance, and she was very sporty and all that kind of thing. Um, loved music. Wanted to play the piano. So again, very supportive of me wanting to do all these things. And I remember. I did, I mean, I was in all the school musicals and the mm. choirs and I was, you know, I studied voice at school, <clears throat> excuse me. And then my first gigs, I think I was about 14 or so and I, I did, my mum's friend from work was getting married and so she asked if I would sing a couple of songs. I think I sang Eternal Flame and something else, I can't remember what it was. Uh, and then I'd be... I love harmony singing. That's always been something I've loved mm. doing, backing vocals and stuff. I was at my dad one my dad's house one day and I was watching video hits. <laughs> Gives yep. you my age. <laughs> and uh, you know, I was watching video hits and I was literally singing along to everything and doing harmonies to everything. And my a friend of my father's happened to be there this one particular Saturday and she was a performer, singer, and she heard me singing and she said to my dad, um, you know what, I need, a, I need a backing singer for some shows that are coming up. Do you think Nina would want to do that? And he's like, well, ask her. <laughs> so she came into the lounge room and, and she was listening for a while and then, you know, we, we got to chatting and she just said to me, look, I've been listening to you singing and, you know, you're picking up all these harmonies and you're strong. She's like, do you want to, I've got, I've got gigs coming up, floor shows and blah, blah, blah. Uh, she said, would you like to be my backup singer? And I was like, sure. Why not? <laughs> so I kind of started doing that when I was about 15, 14, yep. 15. Yep. And then, yeah, just took off from there. I, I started um, going around to jazz gigs that my mum would go to and she'd drag me along and I'd get up and sing. And, yeah, so I sort of started it that way when I was about 15 or 16. And by the time I was 17, 18, I was, you know, doing gigs on weekends mm. and stuff. I remember my mum used to pick me up from my day job. I'd, I'd leave school, I'd go to my day job my after school job thing mm. and that would finish at 9 p.m and she'd pick me up and my clothes would be in the back of the car and i'd get dressed in the back of the car and she'd take me into the city and i had a, a regular gig at what was the hilton on oh gosh i'm trying to remember where that street was i think it's now the pullman on something the pullman on the it's in the city on the top where the mcg is can't remember the street anyway they used I, to hang be on I, I can't i can't help you because no because you're from sydney well, so never, that doesn't you know what? matter I, i've never been to melbourne Oh my gosh! Well, you must come to Melbourne. Yes, it's a great town. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, but she used to drop me, yeah. drop me there, and there was a place called Decanters, and um, I would sing from like ten p.m. till one a.m. Then I'd one of the guys would drive me home, and then I'd get up at seven a.m. and start work again. And it was all it, that was the weekend. I'd work, and then I'd do homework, and then I'd go to gigs, and then yeah. I'd go home, and then I'd go to school, and yeah. so I got a really great start with yeah. my with my life with my career. What What was uh, the sorry? Yeah. What was the What was the day job? Oh gosh, it was just you know. Like I think I worked at Sports Girl, and okay. you know, I had a I had a safe a job, a job at the supermarket first, and then I okay. moved to to Sports Girl, and you know, retail. It's just that kind mm. of you know, after school job that we all get when we're mm. 16, 17, 18, that yep. kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You um, you spoke just a little bit before about 
singing harmonies. Now, was yes. that something that came, was this at a stage after you'd been, you know, you'd been taught to sing and that kind of thing? Or, or were you, have you always been able to kind of pick a harmony and sing the harmony before you were taught about harmonies? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make yeah. sense. And well, I, I've, I've never, actually I haven't really thought about it until right now. Mm-hmm. And I will, I will say that part of it was just this natural thing mm-hmm. and then the other the other part of it was you know the the, the honing in on the craft of it and yep. being taught by really good music teachers um and one of the best ways to learn harmony singing is to be in choirs yeah right where you have to hold apart against other people and 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 i, I learned how to sight read at that stage when i was younger as well and i was playing the piano ah, from about cool. the age of eight yep. so that helped a lot as well and and anyone who 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 kind of has you know worked with me or sings with me always say to me that it's it's a really strong natural thing that I've got this just you know being able to pick the harmony parts and mm. you know as much as I love being a, you know a lead singer and I and that's who I am I sing I do all that but mm. give me an opportunity to sing harmonies and I'm 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 just a pig in mud you know there's <laughs> 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 something really there's something really spiritual for me about yeah. hearing voices yeah. blend together like that yeah, yeah it's yeah. the most profound thing that we can do because it's the most truest and oldest um instrument you know yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. wow as well cool. as percussion cool. i guess but the voice is kind of one of those primal instruments and yeah uh, yeah it's a great thing that's really cool i, I was going to ask this question a little bit later but you already answered it about reading um so you can, you can sight read now. Oh, look, when I say I can sight read, yep. <laughs> um, it's, it's, you know, at a, at a, at a at good a, enough level okay. for what I need to, and it was better then. Like it, I sure. didn't, once I started doing gigs and it's all jazz and it's yeah, by it, ear. And it is something and you was, have to stay on. Yeah. Stay on and I didn't of. learn piano by, um, I learned by ear firstly. I didn't right. learn to read until much later. Uh, yep. So everything I did was by ear anyway. And yep. I think that's what helped um, get that strength in, in being able to pick things really quickly. Yeah. Uh, and then the reading came a little bit later and I, I, having, having, having you ask me that question, probably one of the only regrets of my life is not actually doing more of that and, and being a stronger reader at the moment. Okay. Um, I'm getting, you know, I've, I've worked on it over the years and, mm. and it's been, it's gotten stronger over the last five or six, but yeah, it's uh it's one of those things. If you don't do it a lot, you tend to lose a bit of it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so another question on the, on the reading then, um, yeah. do you have, um, I don't know if perfect pitch is the right <clears throat> word to say, but if you're looking at a, a sheet music and it's got, say the middle C or whatever, mm. can you sing the middle C? What what that's called, uh, what most people have is relative pitch. Relative pitch, that's the one. <clears throat> yeah, I don't yeah. have, I don't have perfect pitch, but you can work your, you can work it in such a way that um, you, you're pretty much close to it. Like these days, you know, I could, as long as I've got music around me, I can go, yep, that's, I reckon that's as close to a middle C as I'm going to get without okay. actually knowing that. Yeah, that's I, I mean, I mean a way, like if you didn't have music around you I can get close to it but close, I yeah. you know and if okay. I got on it it would be a fluke it's not something I can go that's definitely a C yeah but I can get pretty close to it yeah, yeah. do you know yeah. do you know people who can do that yes absolutely oh I well do okay know people. right yep. and is that a natural thing for them or is that something that they've trained because it, it it is a there is a training to get to that point isn't there um well actually we uh, and, and uh, 
I'm not exactly sure if this is true. It's something uh-huh. that I heard or read or I, it's a while ago, but I think we're all born with perfect pitch and then it gets, it gets um, blown because we hear a, a nursery rhyme and, and it, we hear it at different pitches every, all the time. Oh, right. wow. um, but I think it's, it's actually perfect pitch is more natural than it is learned, but you okay. can learn to strengthen your, your existing pitch. Okay. Yeah. So I, again, I don't want to <laughs> say anything that's completely wrong because people will be listening to this going, no, that's not correct. So yeah, <laughs> but perfect pitch is something that's actually just there as a, as a, as a, from, from the beginning. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay, so um, before I pulled you off, you, you pulled off the track of you talking about you're around sort of seventeen, eighteen now, and you're, yep. you know, working and you're you're out doing the yeah doing the two jobs, studying all that sort of thing. Um, what kind of music were you were you sort of singing at that stage? Um, was it was it? I mean, you said jazz came a little bit later. Yeah. Oh. So when I when I was younger, um, oh god, I, pop. I, okay. to, to be really honest, I music. listened to the radio. Okay. Like yep. you know, if my I I got the um, I got the old school stuff from my folks, which I'm really I'm really appreciative of. Um, but everything else, everything else I was listening to was the you know the radio, yep. the top forty hits, and um, and because I was kind of growing up in the eighties and stuff, we're talking. Madonna and Cindy Lauper and, yep. and, and Prince and all that sort of stuff. Daryl Hall and John Oates and oh, loved it. I love mm. pop music. Yep. <laughs> I really yep. do. I love pop music. Yep. Jazz came in a really in a really bizarre way into my life, and it came sort of flung out of nowhere and just landed in my lap. And then bang, it was something I was good at that I didn't know I would be good at. And then, as I, you know, in retrospect, I understand now why because of all the music I listened to with my folks. Right. All right. Well, let's let's. Can we talk about how you got into jazz then, and how that sure. came about? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a couple of ways. A couple of really important ways, actually. Um, the first one was I did get into a little bit in high school due to my best friend. So my best friend in high school, her brother was a piano player, and uh, played. God, what else did he play? He played clarinet. Beautiful singer, but really gorgeous piano player. And he introduced me to, yeah, j- jazz standards and, and just jazz in general, like vocal jazz predominantly. So we're, you know, we're talking um, predominantly like Blossom Deary. He loved Blossom Deary. So there was there was Ben um, and he became a member of my jazz band in the early days. Mm-hmm. So that was happening on this side. And then my mum, because of what was, because I, you know, my association with, with Ben and Emma and just hanging out and singing music with them, um, she, my mum had gone to a pub in Williamstown here in Melbourne and there was a jazz band playing upstairs. Her, her friend took her and she came home that day. It was a Sunday afternoon gig and she came home and said, I'm going to take you to this place next week because I got talking to them and I said to them, look, my daughter's a, a singer. And it's that thing of the band's going, yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, mum just went, uh, you know, but she wouldn't have understood that whole thing. That's just an inside joke yeah. with musicians yeah, gotcha. stuff, you know. Because it's, it's yeah, the greatest. God's girlfriend's a singer and all that yeah. stuff. But it's, you know, it's, my mum's like. Yeah, but the, the mum and the dad are thinking they're doing the, yeah. the greatest thing for their child. But yeah, Or, yeah, know. and think their child is the best thing since sliced bread. Exactly. You know. Anyway, but um, uh 
beautifully though one of the gentlemen in the band very very gorgeous man um it's actually matt hetherington's father david hetherington he he said to my mom you know bring her down and and um and i'll have a chat to her and so she did she brought me down there and he took the time to talk to me and i think i sang a little bit for him and he kind of his ears pricked up and so he said look come back next week i'm going to have something for you so i came back the following week and he handed over a cassette tape 120 minutes so an hour on each side and he had filled it with all of the greats he put Billie Holiday, Louis Armstrong, Ma Rainey, Sister Rosetta Tharp, Sarah Vaughan, Ella Fitzgerald, you name it they're on it and it was this amazing mixtape and I still have this mixtape. Oh cool. Of all these beautiful you know Bessie Smith all of the real greats of the time and he just said you know go and have a listen to this uh, he just gave me some information of what to do next. And so I went away and I think I learned a couple of songs and I came back the following week and he got me up to sing. And that was the start of it. Mm. They all heard and just went, oh, okay. <laughs> mm. This young lady might have something mm. to, you know, in yeah, They've, she's got something. Mm. And so it, it didn't take too long for it all to kick off really in that way. I, I got, I just, I went back in those days we had, more opportunity to play and to get up and sing with people and there were more jams happening there was just more happening at yep. that stage yep. and uh and and at that point in my career I, I i didn't have a career so so i said yes to everything in terms of getting along meeting people having experiences good bad or or otherwise it was the only way to learn and it was the only way to figure out who i was as well as a singer mm. So that's kind of where it started. I was about 16, 17. And then by the time I was 19, 20, I made my first album when I was 20. Mm. I recorded it on a little analog tape thing in my boyfriend's lounge room. So, you know, that was in 19, actually, no, I was a bit older than that. Maybe I was 21. Anyway, I think it was 1994 I did my first album and a jazz album. Yeah. So, yeah, it just, it, it grew from, from then on. Yeah. Mm. But that's how it started. <laughs> That's cool. And then, and I never anticipated being a jazz singer. I never expected yeah. to be a jazz singer. I'm not quite sure what I wanted to be. Right. But jazz singer wasn't actually on this on the on the on the list of things. I probably thought I would do pop or I was I loved soul because Aretha Franklin was my absolute hero and uh, and I and I do that now and you I still al do I always yeah. did it. Yeah, I yeah. always did it. But jazz just gave me a beautiful career and it still does. Right. I'm really. Yeah, I'm really grateful for that. Right. So you, you stuck to the jazz more because that at that time, not not not, not taking away from jazz at all, but because that was giving you um yeah, the the career, like you said. Or was it all of a sudden I'm just fully in love with jazz and all I want to do is jazz? Um, it's kind of in the middle. In the like, middle, yep. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, look, I of love course, jazz. Of course, of course you gotta yeah, that, okay. Yeah, I and probably the, worded to that me, wrong. No, 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 mm. you didn't. That's it's um so jazz came into my life in such a way that it created a lot of excitement for me. I was learning more about music in a way that I hadn't before because I'd been mm. a classical singer before that mm. um, and doing some stuff at school and so all of a sudden and, and singing pop music. But then there was this incredible music art form that was so rich in its culture and its musical language and I got to learn so much more about harmony than, I, than I'd already enjoyed doing. It was, it just broadened my horizons. It broadened my musical mind. It also broadened my 
networking. Like I met a lot of people, all my, all my closest, dearest, oldest friends are from the jazz scene. And, uh, and it may, it's not that I knew it at the time, but it was making me into the singer and the musician that I am today. Mm. And that's why I think, you know, everyone, regardless of what they end up wanting to move into more specifically in their music career as a singer or, you know, any kind of instrumentalist, everyone should spend some time listening and learning the jazz art form because there's so much content. It's so rich in its, in its um, knowledge. And uh, yeah, so I think that's, yeah. like I said, it, it, it came out of the blue. I didn't expect it, but I'm so glad it turned up in my yeah. life and yeah, I'm thankful for it every day. That's cool. And it also yeah. would have um, introduced you to different, types of musician like uh, the, the way instruments are played dif- different than you would be if you were playing in a pop band or a yep. covers top 40 type band yep. you know and um, look to be really honest all the people that i work with mm. um we're all incredible like crossover yeah, versatile people. yeah they're so it. versatile yeah. um a lot of the people that you might see on a on a stage you know banging out some thrash metal are incredible improvisers with jazz because that exactly. that gives you your your facility and your ability to move through changes and to be really quick on quick off the mark on stuff yeah um the one thing that i love about jazz and what it's taught me to do is be able to get myself out of a jam really quick mm. you know because of that improvisational skill it makes mm. you really um you're a, you can, you're adept at moving through things mm. it's it's great i love it yeah, that's cool that's <laughs> awesome um yep. now you spent uh I, I may be jumping forward here and we can always you know that's bring great. it back but uh, you spent you know a decade just over a decade or so in the uk correct yep yes. so um how did that come about? How did you end up getting over there and, and uh, tell us the, the UK, yeah. UK story? Um, well, from the age of 20, I started touring overseas. So I was going to, uh, with a band at the time, America and then Canada, and then the next year we'd, we'd tour Europe, and then we'd go back to America the year after that and Europe. So for really quite a long time there, I would spend most of Australian winters in the Northern Hemisphere. Okay. Uh, and loved it and yeah. decided that I I needed to and I wanted to leave Australia and um, pursue my career overseas for all kinds of reasons, some of them professional, some of them personal. And uh, <clears throat> I had visions of, of living, you know, living and working and being in New York and making New York my home base. And then September 11 happened ah. and things got really awkward and hard. Were, were you, sorry, were you there? Were you in New York? I, we not at got the time. There. No, I'd been back and forward and back and forward. I'd okay. been to, I've been to America a lot. I've actually, I've seen 40 of the 51 states. I, I hired yeah, wow. a car. My, my boyfriend, the first time I went, my boyfriend at the time and I, we hired a car and we drove all across the United States and we did something like 11,000 miles in eight, weeks wow. <laughs> and so I would I went back and I just loved it mm. so that was always something that I had planned to do and then things changed and uh and then they increased uh the UK had increased the age for their holiday working visa yeah. and um that meant I was then eligible for that and so I went for that and I moved to London okay and within a year of moving to London, I I got a I got 
a, a residency run uh, uh, at Ronnie Scott's Jazz Club in London. They had shut it down to renovate it. Mm. And then as they were reopening, they were, um, they'd created a, a house band as the support band, really awesome musicians. Mm. And uh, the piano player had seen me perform at a, a concert, you know, not too far ahead of that and got my number and then called and, and they gave me a whole bunch of dates and, and I, was, I was sitting there writing them in the diary and when he finished I went, look, this is amazing, this is all fantastic. I said, there's just one tiny little issue and he's like, oh, yeah, what's that? And I said, my visa runs out right in the middle of all of this. Oh. <laughs> and he said, that's okay, we'll sponsor you. Mm. So my first working, my working visa, first one that were, that I was sponsored for in the UK was actually Ronnie Scott's. They sponsored me. Wow, that's um, cool. And so, and from there, I managed to find other ways, and I, you know, I got sponsored, and um, and I ended up being a citizen. So I have a, a, a British passport. I'm actually a British subject and a, and a, an Australian one now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I started off there. So in that first year, I just. Like I did when I first started here, I kind of got out there and I sang and, you know, but by then I had, I had a good website so people could actually see what I'd done before. And, and um, but I, when I moved to London, it was a really weird one because I had literally spent more time in any other place in Europe and America than London. I had only been to London for a few hours once before. Mm. I knew va- basically nobody. Yep. And so I, I, I turned up in a huge city with barely anything. So it, I, I built it up from bones, which I'm pretty proud of because it, it, takes, a, it takes a lot of energy and, um, yeah, and just gumption. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, I, you know, I went out there guns blazing and I, I had an amazing time and, you know, it turned into almost 11 years of my life and I loved every single second of it and I'm, also grateful to have come home like it was it was time for me to come back so the decision to come home was you know it was the right one at the right time Mm. and uh, yeah but loved it loved loved London loved being in the northern hemisphere loved being so close to the rest of the world in that way and meeting people and some of the opportunities that happened there unfortunately could never have happened here just 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 because of our geography and the fact that we have such a small um, population and I know I'm not saying anything that we don't no, know. No, no, that's right. you're, not, you're, not, you're not offending anybody there. No, not, not at no. all. That's what it is. Because the level of musicianship here is is fantastic. It's oh, really you oh, know, for sure. top. Um, we're just, we're just, as Lenny Henry, the comedian, said, you shouldn't be called Australia, you should just be called far. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never forgotten that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Oh, that's, mm. that's cool. Now, when, when yeah, you said you um you had that residency at Ronnie Scott's, and mm. you also got to play at Wembley, and you played yeah. at the Royal Albert Hall, and yeah, can you talk of those experiences? I mean, I mean, sure. surely the 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 sort of the history of those places wouldn't have been lost on you when you walked in there, so. Um, no. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would love to visit visit those places. I mean, I'll, I'll never ever get to play there, obviously, but just to just to you know to be in those buildings, yeah, you know, sort there, of... it's amazing, Stevie. Mm. Like it, mm. the whole time I lived there for ten years, it always took my breath away. There'd be moments where I, you know, we'd be you'd be on the tube 
you go from one place to another. Mm. And I felt like a mole person. And you'd you'd get in and you'd go down and you'd come back up again and mm. I'd come back out and I would always take a second to just take it in around me and, right. and look at where I was and the history. And then I'd walk into the building that I'm supposed to play in and I'm just like, are you kidding me now? <laughs> this is incredible. Yeah. You know, it's it's old and it's that's it, it, there's just so much in it. I it was you're right. It was never lost on me, mm. just how lucky and how blessed and how fortunate I was to be walking into a place where so many people before me have performed. There's been so much going on in that room that I wouldn't even know about. Uh, yeah, it was never lost on me. So those experiences were very very special to me, and I hold them dear to my heart. Um, singing at Royal Albert Hall was a big one that, I mean, that room is just incredible. And I had, uh, you know, before and after that show, you know, I, I'd seen everyone in there from Anita Baker to Earth, Wind and Fire, James Taylor, you name it. That's, you know, that's who I'd seen in that room, mm. Alison Krauss, just everyone. And, uh, and I got to support with my band. I, I supported Charles Aznavour, actually. He was, didn't, he didn't last long after that. I think he died maybe a few years after mm. that, but he was already 91, two, three, something like that at the time. Wow. So I got to do that show and that was, that was an absolute buzz. Um, and I, I performed in other places in Royal Albert Hall for the uh, Blues Fest, um, London Blues Fest and that kind of thing. The Wembley Arena gigs were really awesome. I was doing some backing vocals in a small four group little ensemble, vocal ensemble for the Zach Brown band, yeah, yeah. American band. Yeah, yeah. And we did we also did some recording and filming and performing at BBC London Radio. So that was with, with Zach Brown as well? Yeah, yeah, with Zach Brown. Man, he's huge. Now. He's yeah, massive he's, now. Yeah. And they yeah. were just amazing and delightful. Yeah. And yeah. walking out onto that stage, you know, ten thousand people and just doing our thing was 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 really mm. was really amazing. Um just trying to think where else um that I was. Yeah. And then, you know, touring, I did a lot of touring with different artists. Um, for about seven years, I was one of the backing singers with uh, Gilbert O'Sullivan, who, if people are not familiar with Gilbert O'Sullivan, um, he's kind of like the Robbie Williams of the 60s yeah, right. <laughs> in England. And he's right. from Ireland originally and was a, he's a huge singer, songwriter. Um, and again, you know, probably in his late 70s now, but still prolific. Um, mm and wrote some big hits like Alone Again, Naturally, Claire, Nothing Rhymed, you know, and so we toured the world with him, which was amazing. Uh, and then I got to do some um, support uh, gigs for uh, and, and UK touring with Gregory Porter and Neil Sedaka and Juanes, the, the Latin Grammy winner. Mm. So, you know, really interesting little things that were coming up all over the place. Um, yeah, had a ball, had a great time. That's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. So what, what, what drew you back? What what made you come back to Australia? It's a funny thing. It's it's it was it was a life choice as well. Yep. I was getting older, you know. I'm 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 48 years old. I'm I'm not someone who's not going to um, lean into the age I'm at just because I'm a woman either. So as I was leaving London, I'd I'd hit 40. I was 41, 42, and I kind of looked at it and I thought to myself you know, what do the next 10 years look like for me? What could they look like for me? And I spent a bit of time, look, it probably took me about a year or so to make the choice to come back. Yep. I spent that time really looking at my future and how 
what I wanted it to look like. And your priorities change as you get older. Sure. I have family here. I missed my family as well. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and I'd done, I'd done a lot of stuff in London. I yeah. could have kept going, but I think it would have, I would have ended up, it was starting to become a lonely life. Okay. Even though I was busy doing this and busy doing that, there was a sense of, you know, loneliness that was sitting in, and I, and I just thought, okay, um, that's, that's, that's actually a good enough reason to want to come back to back home and start a new, you know, start a new phase of life. Mm. So I came back for about a month and put some feelers out and again, like tried it on, put that dress on, went, does that look suit me? No, let's try the next one. And yeah. And looked at it. And then when I left London, I, I didn't leave London completely. I put everything in boxes in storage and I, cause I was coming home. Cause when, when I was here for the little break, I was also approached by the voice. And so I ended up coming back um, late 2015, early 2016 and went into the um, season six of doing the voice, right. which was really interesting. So did that, bring, so, did that bring you end up bringing you, bringing you back it, early that, or, or that no, the timing of it? Yeah. That was the timing of yeah, it. Great. I, awesome. I, when they got in touch, I said, well, actually I'm going to be back at that point. Yep. But I, I I decided that I was probably only going to stay in Melbourne for about a year and a half mm-hmm. and then go back to London. But within the first six months of being home, everything just felt really good and I I made the decision that I was going to stay. And so I went back to London, packed up my stuff, did some gigs, you know, said goodbye to my beautiful London urban family who I adore and, 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 I, and I'm still in contact with and mm. and then came back home. And it's been almost six years now that I've mm. been back in Australia. So I've been home for almost half the time that I was that there. I was there. And and yeah. you know, before I know it, that'll that'll be gone too. I'll be back for ten. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. It look. It was a hard decision. You can't. Anyone who's done a lot of travelling or have li- have lived an, a significant amount of time in a certain place will tell you that it's heartbreaking because you you do leave a part of your heart in these places mm. and it took it took a while to really settle back in and feel okay and you know grieved it was it was there was a loss as well mm. i can't be in two places and you mm. can't compare them mm. the things that were happening in london will will never happen here yep. the things that were happening here could never happen there and i can't have both you're kind of torn <laughs> eh? yeah. yeah you're torn yep. i think yep. Yep. good on you natalie and brulia yep <laughs> Nothing's right, I'm tired. Yeah, that's speaking, exactly you know how what? Speaking felt. of Nat- Natalie Imbruglia, this is, I'm not making yeah. this podcast about Natalie Imbruglia, by the way, but I've been listening to that Daniel John's Spotify podcast. And um, um, of course, you know, Daniel John's and Natalie Imbruglia were married. So we're it, married, that's it right. made it because I used, I used to love her music. I had all her, all, all her albums and it's made me go back and listen to them again. And they're great. They're brilliant. Just they fantastic. Great. You know, the, fir- the first one in that white, white, uh, white Lily Island or whatever yeah, it's called. That's that is just yes. awesome. What a fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it yeah. just made, just reminded me of that. So sorry. <laughs> in fact, I think she's got a new album out. She put an album out. Just yeah. Recently. Right. Right. Um, I, I, I have yet have not heard it, but I will. Um, yep. But yeah, she's um, she's great. So yeah. yes, I was torn, and <laughs> you know, and I knew that would happen. Like yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't make the decision based on not feeling pain. That's not life. Yep. Yep. <laughs> We're going to feel it. It's just the way it goes. Yep. But um, and like I said, it was it was absolutely the right decision. If it hadn't been the right decision, I would not be here right now. I'd be back there. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, you trusted your gut. That's good. Yeah. Did yeah. you have any plans to 
to have gone back there in the last, you know, maybe two years ago before COVID? Did you, was well, it... I went back. I went back in twenty eighteen. Okay. Was it? Yes, I went back in twenty eighteen. Yeah. And I was kind of planning on coming going back in twenty twenty. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's... <laughs> you know another yeah. Mm. I probably won't get there now till twenty twenty three. Okay. Yeah, that's mm. that's. I'm aiming for that. I'm just gonna test. You know. Just see. I'm just uh, like everybody else. We're kind mm. of just sitting back and waiting to see what happens. Um, mm. How's yeah. how's things go? I mean, I, I don't tend to look too far away from sort of Australia and New Zealand mm. in regards mm. to the whole um, COVID thing at the moment. So how's it looking over there currently? Look, they you know they're back up to you know a lot of cases every day. To okay. be really honest with you, I haven't I haven't really spoken about it with anyone for a little while. I'm yeah. I'm like you. I've I've had to take a I've had to take a sabbatical from yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from COVID information. It's yeah, just overloading okay. and yeah, kind of cool. anxiety inducing. And yeah, you're right. Um, so when I'm in touch with my friends, I want to know how they are. Yeah, yeah, you know, if I need to know what's going on, I'll just turn the news on or read a newspaper and yeah. all that kind of thing. But mm. it, it's like when they ask me, I will give them the the, the bullet points, the brush over. But yeah. you know, I want to talk to them about how they are, yeah, and cool. they want to know how I am, and we talk about real life things. Not that COVID's not real life things. Gotcha. Of course it is. I'm just saying that, yeah, it's like uh, keeping a track of all the numbers and the cases and this and that and the other. We're going to be doing that for years. Yeah, yeah. This is part of our lives now. So it's how to how to get the balance now, the incorporating of of, of all of that information, and also living our lives and trying to trying to work through the anxiety of it too, exactly. the unknown <laughs> variant. It's just there's so much that we don't know yeah. about it as well. And yeah. yeah, we're just we're just doing the best we can. That's so, it. Yeah. That's it. All right. So you back you've come back to um Australia and you you've been asked to go on the voice. So yes. you want to talk about that experience. Yeah. Well it it was a it was a good experience. Mm. A lot of people um, got in touch with when they when they figured out that I was on it. You know, I had a I had a really interesting cross section of feedback. Predominantly, yep. everybody was very positive about it, mm-hmm. and some some people that were like, you know, asking me why, and I my answer to them was, well, why not? Mm-hmm. Actually, it was a it was an experience I hadn't had, and I've done a lot of things. But it wasn't so you something... hadn't done you hadn't done any sort of TV before. Oh, I've done a heap of TV. Oh, but okay. had I done a reality TV show? Okay. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Gotcha. Yeah, I, up until that point, I'd done a bunch of TV. Okay. Um, but performing on TV, this is that's a whole different whole beast. different thing. Yep. It's a it's a reality TV show that happens to be music. Sure. That's all. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, and I it's all it was also strategic. I'm also you know a business person. Of course. It was strategic because I thought to myself, well. I've been away for a really long time and this is an awesome opportunity to reacquaint people with me who might remember me and for people who have no idea who I am, it's like, hey, hi, (laughs) this is me. Mm. Um, It was a really interesting time in my life though. To be honest, I wished I'd have waited a couple of years to do it. Coming straight off the plane after living somewhere, packing up your entire life, I was psychologically not in a very good place. Okay. Um, I had just had three operations in 18 months, so I, was, I wasn't I was very well either um, and I wasn't feeling at my best. Okay. So I I was kind of, I, when I look at it now and I, I think about the, the, the time, I don't regret anything. Mm. Any, everything happens when it's supposed to happen. However, yeah, there's when I look at it, I go, oh, I can, I can tell what kind of place I was in. 
And it meant that for me, I don't feel like I got to put my best foot forward or really show what I'm capable of. Yep. So that's, that's okay. That's just what happens in life. And, uh, you know, whilst I'm still upright and living, yeah. I will continue to keep, you know, showing people what I can do and yeah. showing myself what I can do, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. But it was a look. It was a it was a it was a good experience. There are you know, it, there were some not so great things about it, yeah. and I don't regret doing it. And people have asked, would I do it again? The answer is no, I won't do it again. I'm just glad I did it the first time. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. <clears throat> yeah. Did it open some doors afterwards? Once once you're off the show? Uh, well, sort of, but not really. I mean, yes yep. and no. It's a really hard one. Yep. That's a tricky one to answer because sometimes you don't know that it's that, you know, I'm, it's yeah, five right. years later now, okay. four, four or five years later. And there are people that I met through that show that I'm still really close to. So there were some amazing things that came from it. Um, not necessarily in, in form of career um, advancement or okay. anything, yep. but it did what I expected it to do when I said that it was a strategic move of being, you know, put back into people's um, stratus, in, in, back into their field of vision. Gotcha. Um, and predominantly for me in the scene, it meant that, you know, all of a sudden it, it did for me in three months what would have taken me three years to do, which is like okay. let people know that I was back. Yeah, right. Because that, that sort of grapevine yeah. can take a bit of time and so that mm. sped that process up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Yeah. So, um so after it, I mean, you, you said you weren't, you know, you'd kind of wished you'd um, done it a little bit later. Did you kind of realise that at the time? Did you sort a of? A little bit. Because it was, I mean, it, should, um, it would have been like a whirlwind type of situation. And then you <laughs> yeah. kind of get, uh, I'm not going to say, or when I say spat out the other end, that's not what I, I don't mean that in, the, in a bad way, but you sure. kind of, you know, the, the doors closed to the studio and you're sort of, you're, you're back, you're back out. What, what did you're you back do? out into, yeah, exactly. What did you do next? Did you kind yeah, of yeah, take yeah. some, well, take stock and chill out for look, a bit or just rip in? Well, the thing is, I, look, I never stopped. I never stopped working even while it was happening. Okay. Um, I was restricted by it though, which yeah. was a bit annoying. Yep. Um, so that was my only, that was the only downside. Um, mm. I've always been putting on shows and I was teaching. I was, I was building a, a good, you know, a good teaching roster of, of students and stuff. So yeah, I could, I was keeping myself going. It was, it, it, I will say that um, the experience of the show ending and the way that, you you're the way that things happen (laughs) when that happens um it felt a little bit um it felt yeah we we did feel a bit low like when I spoke to some of my you know my my what do you call them the the other contestants um yeah friends actually now (laughs) Mm. we all felt the same way we went through a little bit of a a little bit of a dip and even to be honest even to this day I, I struggled to watch the show yeah, I do it yep. because I've got, you know, friends and other people that I know that are on the show and I want to support them. But yep. actually watching it brings up some, you know, a yep. bit of that old feeling, which some of it's not so great. Yeah. when I've spoken to a, a few people who have also been on The Voice before and mixed experiences, but yeah. the kind of the common, the common one for the, you know, the people that don't get sort of right through towards mm. the end, it literally mm. is a, okay, there's the door, close the door. Yeah. We almost yeah. forgotten, you know. Yeah. You kind what... of don't hear from them until you've done something wrong. <laughs> and then they let you know about yeah. it, trust me. <laughs> um, you know, there was one person I talked to, they said that, you know, um, 
the, the person that they would been they had been dealing with at the show, um, were all really friendly, buddy, buddy, you know, right up until almost the moment that they weren't on the show anymore. And it was mm-hmm. like, you know, yep. pass them in a hallway and look the other way type situation, you know, like, I mean, yeah. that's shit. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Look, there's, there could be some overhaul of, of, of those kinds of things. Yeah. I, I think we could be doing, we could be doing a lot, a lot, uh, what I want to say the word better. We, we could be doing it differently. differently. There could be a more yeah. kind way and a more, mm. um, um, supportive way of the whole entire industry as well. Okay. Um, I think after a little while, and and not just those shows, but all of these reality shows, I'm I'm not anti them. I'm like no, no. wherever yep. we are is what we are. But they become so formulaic that yep. I, I go, well, where's take a risk? You know, audiences aren't as as bland as as they think they are. As we are, like the audiences are smarter. I think if we gave them something to chew on, they would relish that. Yeah. You know, we don't have to play, we don't have to dumb them down mm. or play to the lowest common denominator. I think that's a, that's a slippery slide and mm. yeah, it can, it can make all of that feel really, um, I don't know what's the word, but yeah, just, I think it could be done a little, a little better. That's all. Just a little nicer. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah. So you yeah. were, you were on season six. Do you know of people that have been on these last couple of seasons and have they? Yeah. So, so it, it is kind of still the same. Are they yeah. S- I mean, some things have changed. I'm sure some things have changed yep. to be really honest with you. I haven't delved into it and okay. they, we also have to sign things. So, Fair you cool. know, that, that mean we don't talk about some of the stuff that's sure, going on course. there. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I just, the, the good thing about having done the show as well is that, um, you know, when, when singers are thinking about auditioning for the show or whatever, they'll reach out and, you know, they'll come and have a singing lesson and, and at least I can give them some, in, just some insight. I don't want to give the game away, but I just give them some insight and a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of wisdom and go, just think about this. Like, yeah. just know that this is, this is, this may not be the thing, yeah. you, you know, why are you doing this? Yeah. It's not, don't worry about what you're going to get out of it because that's, you know, it, life is this constant journey anyway. And you, it, there's one goal after another, after another, this won't be the last thing. So just figure out why you're doing it. Yeah. Um, and then, then be grateful for that part. If there's anything else that happens, well, then that's just a bonus. But yeah, and and you know, especially when the when you're young, you think yeah. that it's your big break and it's the only one. Uh, and I also feel for you know that the sort of younger generation at the moment where they haven't been given the same kinds of opportunities. Yep. that I had, yep. for example, we've just lost the wonderful Bert Newton. Yep. You know, most of my, t- I cut my TV teeth on Good Morning Australia yep. and the, you know, just, just reading all of the posts on Facebook of all the people I knew, all of my peers saying exactly the same thing. You know, we all cut our TV teeth um, on GMA yep. and, and Bert's kindness. And, and we had the, you know, the midday show and there was Denise and Ernie mm. and we had, gosh, you know, um, What's that other one? Good Friday appeal, and there were opportunities left, right, and centre, and they've disappeared. They're they're they're, they're shrinking, 
Um, and also if you're not a household name, if you don't have a profile, there's just no space for you. Yeah. Yep. So the shows like The Voice, I understand where where it fits and why it's there and where the good stuff in it is yep. because here's a, here's a show, here's a vehicle for, a, you know, up and coming yep. younger artists yep. to have a go. Yep. They need to have a go. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Cool. All right. Let's move on from the voice. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you've, uh, these last couple of years, um, you've also been part of the Masked Singer and Dancing with the Stars. Yes. Yeah. A, 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 in the house band. Is that, yes. is that right? Right. Yeah, so what's, right. what's that, what's that like? What's, what's. Ah, that was so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. so in 2020, yeah. um, I became part of the, the house band for, uh, Dancing with the Stars and, that was a it was a fantastic uh, experience. I, I absolutely loved it. I love I love live TV. I really love live TV, yeah. and you know, learning learning the songs, having to create these songs and make them sound like the originals. So just again, as an artist, as a as a singer, working my craft and having yeah. to yeah. Um, just nail it. You know, it was just yeah. it was so much fun. Mm. And then COVID hit us, and yeah. so. What it was a weird experience to be part of that show and then watch it morph into this thing that all of a sudden we couldn't have an audience yeah, anymore yeah. and yeah. and we got, we <laughs> I remember walking into the studio one day and and they'd the four singers we used to be quite close to each other and there was just like you know there was so much space between us we could barely <laughs> look it was like hi what's the, how's the weather down there yeah. you know it was such a it was yeah. such an odd thing to yeah. see this unfolding and then. Yeah. We had to cut the show short by one episode. Okay. So we jumped straight from we, we, we skipped the semi-final and went straight to the final because it was looking, you know, everything was coming to an end. Okay. And I, we literally finished the show and we all like tapped our feet together, like we all elbowed each other with masks on and yeah. and went home and that was the end of it. It was so weird and we went straight into lockdown. Yeah, well. And so after that, um, for the rest of the shows for, you know, um, Dancing with the Stars and Masked Singer, everything's been pre-recorded. Okay. So we've all done stu- studio work. Okay. So it's all been recorded stuff. We haven't been together studio. as such yet, which, yeah. yeah, which is a, which is a shame, but at least we still get to be a part of something really fun and, and enjoyable. Um, and yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah. I love being a part of it. Do you think, um, uh, Say say next year everything sort of opened up again and 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 mm-hmm. Dancing with the Stars and Masked Singer, you know, it, it's all back to normal again. Do you think that the producers might go? Well, it actually worked out quite well when all the session singers went to the studio and we pre-recorded everything. This is the this is the is this the thing? Yeah. Well, yeah. Look, I haven't really spoken to anyone. Yeah. I, I I can only imagine that. Yeah, you know, they might do that. It might be a cost-saving situation, yeah. um, and again, here's an op- you know there's there's yet another opportunity lost for people to see us do the yep. thing that we do the best. Yep. Um, you know, this has been part of the whole issue with us feeling um, feeling validated as a as a as a. Yep. Well, we're not that whole thing of who's essential and who's not. And I'm not uh, even going to get into that, uh, right? Yeah. 
And it's been a wonderful opportunity for us to show the rest of the world just how much they need us because life is damn boring without us. Yeah, for sure. Life is boring without creativity and everything's creation. Everything's creativity. The stuff we sit on, the Netflix they're watching, the books they're reading, the the seats they're sitting on, it, it has to be created by someone somewhere. So, yes, that's a real, that's an, that that will be that will only time can tell with that one only time will tell if mm. if um the the networks decide that they want to continue to have that but it it you know generally speaking these things come down to budget so i yeah. have no idea but hopefully no hopefully idea. there's you know musicians and creatives on the creative team because there mm. are creative teams that don't have creative people with them yeah. no. <laughs> they outsource our, our team's pretty cool that's cool <laughs> our yeah team's very creative oh that's that's cool so yeah it's lovely yeah so yeah, yeah the hope, you know there'd be that person that's yeah that's championing look i hope to so get too. everybody I hope back so too. in the in on the stage together on the stage. let's do it yep. together you know yeah yeah it's 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 good you know let's hope let's hope so yeah um want to ask you a little bit about your voice and how sure. you have sort of built it and well I mean not not maybe built it's not quite the right the right phrase but how you sort of how you maintain it um sure. and one question I do have about about voice because I know you know with you know, I'm being a I'm, I'm a drummer myself yes um you know with a guitarist you know they they're wanting to get a certain speed and tone and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, they set these, these speed goals and that kind of thing for themselves and same with drummers and stuff. As a vocalist, do you have those, do you have those types of goals as well? You know, are you wanting to sing in a certain range and be able to hold, I'm I'm speaking as a non-singer here, so. (laughs) Um, No, I appreciate, I appreciate what you're asking. And it's, it's very similar. Like, yes, we want, we want, um, flexibility, dexterity, um, uh, sustainability, consistency. Yep. We want we want to be healthy because it's a part of our our body. That's one of the things that is so different from every other instrument. Yeah, for sure. We can't take our instrument out and leave it somewhere and be, let it be okay. We speak with it. So if yeah. we're under weather, under the weather, if we're not feeling well, it's gonna. Or even if we're, um, you know, our emotional state hits us in the voice. So okay. we're, conti- we're, we're, we're having to um, deal with all of that stuff. Mm. So for me, what I do is I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a 360 approach to life. I can only be a good singer if I'm making sure I'm looking after my, my mental health, my physical health, my emotional health. Um, and my vocal health, I might've said that already. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you know, it's, it's an all round thing. So, you know, I, I get sleep, I drink a lot of water, I, I work out and make sure I'm fit because it is part of my body and the fitter I am, um, the, the healthier I am, the better it works, the more hydrated I am, the better it works. Um, you know, making sure that I don't have too many stresses in my life. Um, like I said, I keep, I, you know, mental and emotional well-being is a really big one, especially for singers. Mm. So I make sure that I'm just, I'm doing the best I can on that front, which also means sometimes having to say no to things. Um, self-care is, 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 is a big part of that situation. Um, and then just the actual a- a- act of, of using my instrument um, healthily and with mm. good guidance, like I have my mentors, um, I 
I, I never stopped. I never stopped singing all the way through lockdown. Yeah. The only time I stopped was when I was I was literally having an emotional or mental, um, you know, anxiety situation through the last couple of years, which we all did, and yeah. I just felt like I just couldn't do it because I had, yep. you know, it was just hit me. So, but the rest of the time, I I, I work on my craft. I, I, you know, I pick something that I want to do and I work on it, and then. And teaching is a wonderful thing. Mm. I've I love teaching voice, and and that's that's how I teach. I, I you know I want my students to have the opportunity to be able to work on their instrument from from not just the physical side of things, but the emotional side of things too. Mm. So you know sometimes I, a lot of singing teachers, friends of mine who are singers, we all we all. Um, giggle about the fact that we're basically just psychologists masquerading as singing teachers, <laughs> <laughs> which is absolutely true. Yeah. And that's all great. Yeah. So you're holding the space for, for, and any teacher would feel, would agree with that. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're holding the space for, for these, for someone else to be able to be vulnerable and give themselves permission to, to do whatever it is they need to do, which is predominantly make a lot of mistakes. Yep. So, you know, the way to kind of move through things and troubleshoot is to is to make the mistakes and and be kind about those things and observant about them and and approach them in a way that is um, that's less judgmental. Mm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I just do everything I can to stay good that's, <laughs> vocally. That's cool. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Have you, do you think, I, I, I've, I spoke to a bass player um, months ago, and he was he he plays a certain way of of bass, mm-hmm. and it took it's taken him years and years to get to this point. And he knows he told me that he he hit the pinnacle of his bass playing in the late nineties, and he could he even pinpointed the gig that he did it on. <laughs> like, and he said oh. from that moment he's he's never yeah. never been to that spot before spot right again okay yeah interesting now as a as a singer have you uh has there been a pinnacle that you've tried to get to have you got to it are you still aiming for it as a basically voc- as a you're asking me if i've peaked and i haven't no yet. no no I, because yeah. no but but that's a good question because yeah. you know you get to this age and you think could how could is there any room left up there like is there anywhere else i can go you know creatively vocally as a as an instrument yep. and What's been really amazing is that like even on Saturday, I did a gig on Saturday and I started singing something and all of a sudden, because of all the work I've done over the last 18 months or so of being in lockdowns and things and working, working, working my craft, bam, this this extra part opened up and I just went, oh, wow. That's cool. Like where did that come from? That's awesome. And that's exciting because when those moments happen, you go, oh, there's still more to come. Oh, great. And that's Incredible. Awesome. And yeah, you know, we're getting older, so I might lose a little bit somewhere else, but I'm gaining it somewhere else again. Yeah. Um, yep. And that's, that's exciting. And I'm more comfortable in my skin. I like who I am. I know who I am. I've got more to say. I think there's more depth in, in what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And that can only come with experience. And I, and I, I make sure that Firstly, I remember that when I'm teaching younger students mm. and also reminding them that that's the case, that this is this is a beautiful lifelong friendship and journey with with your craft. Mm. And if you can look at it like that, it's the one thing that will ne- that will always be with you. It'll never let you down and it'll le- never leave you if you don't leave it. Mm. Yeah? yeah. So it's a beautiful thing. 
and it'll keep going. I mean, look at Tony Bennett, like he's, he's retiring now, but if he didn't have Alzheimer's, he probably wouldn't stop. Yeah. Yep. You know, when I worked with him 20 years ago, I mean, he was just incredible and beautiful and still singing as richly as he ever did with mm. this incredible edge of experience and life and wisdom and, and that's golden. Yeah. And we don't, we don't honor, um, we don't honor that enough. We, we, we really, we're still very youth oriented, but we need to honor what um, experience and aging, um, you know, the, the gift of getting older gives you. Yeah. Um, Lady Gaga has been in the, the media lately and she, you know, she, I think she's done some singing with yes. Tony Bennett. And Tony. I, what I think is mm. cool about that is, uh, you know, she's introducing a new audience to Tony Bennett. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I'm so at, happy at, about at, that. Yeah, me too. I, I thought, I think it's really cool. <laughs> really happy yeah. about that. Yeah. It's yeah. Good, good to see that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think she's, she's great too. I think she really, she's a real, she's a musician and mm. she loves a lot of different styles of stuff. And mm. she, uh, what I love about her too, is that she's not pigeonholing herself yeah. into anything. Yep. It's like, if I want to do that, I'm going to do that. If mm. I can do that, I'll do that. And that's that's a little bit of what makes it tricky at times. If you are good at a lot of things, it can be a bit confusing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I, and I and I also think, well, why should I just be one thing? I don't want to be just a yeah. jazz singer. I never I never wanted to be just a jazz singer. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm still called you know Nina, a jazz singer. That's the first place people go to, and I'm certainly not offended by that because yep. that's a compliment in my mind because it's an incredible art form. Mm. Um, but it's really interesting in terms of, um, you know, with, with, with public perception, audience perception of what you're doing. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't ever apologize for the fact that I do a whole bunch of different things. Oh, I sh- like that. Nor should you need <laughs> to, eh? Hey? No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you got plans to make any more albums? I sure do. Awesome. <laughs> Tell us about yeah. it. Um, well, I've got, I've got two, I'm going to be making two more albums. Um, I'm hoping one will definitely be out next year. The other one possibly toward the end of next year or early 2023, I guess that would be. Yeah. So, um, the first one, I'm kind of going back to my roots a little bit and I'm recording an album of ballads, jazz jazz ballads, um, but jazz vocal ballads, beautiful ballads. Um, so that's happening first. And at the moment I'm writing original, original music. So towards the middle of the year, I'll go back into the studio and record an originals album. So yeah, it's, uh, that's what's happening this year. I'm making that a a focus and a priority. Fantastic. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Um, Mm. you got, I, I noticed you've got a, um, a very big band Christmas gig coming up yes. in December. Oh. Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to plug that? Yes, please. Awesome. Thank you, Stevie. Yeah, easy. <laughs> yeah. So the wonderful Belinda Parsons, she started a very big band Christmas about five years ago. And, um, and I wasn't a part of it at that point. Um, and it was just, it was just a good fun opportunity for them to get a big band together and play Christmas tunes with a big band. I mean, you know, how much fun with a couple of different singers. Yep. And then uh, I think it must have been the second year I jumped on board and, and we ended up with four female singers and it, we do four-part harmony stuff and it's just glorious. And it's been going every year. And, uh, and this year we've, we've, we've 
taken it to the Memo Music Hall in St Kilda and we've got a very special guest, Eddie Perfect, coming mm. in to sing some songs with us. Um, he's just divine. We adore him yep. and he's such a great performer. So, yes, we've got the Jack Earl Big Band. I think it's like a 18-piece big band, maybe more. I can't remember. <laughs> it's big. <laughs> yeah. It's a very big band. Yeah. Um, so, yes, we've got the band going on, Jack Earl, um, Belinda Parsons, myself, Femme Belling, Eddie Perfect, we're going to be smothered in Christmas. It's going to be amazing. And that's um, on December the 9th, Sunday, December the 19th at Memo Music Hall. Music Hall. Oh, my gosh. I'm just going to say that again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what? Don't even edit I'm it not out. Going, I, I wasn't going to funny. anyway. Yeah, I, I wouldn't okay. have anyway. <laughs> I'm going to say that all again. Yeah. Sunday, the 19th of December at the Memo Music Hall from 4 o'clock till 6 o'clock. So it's a nice early afternoon thing. Then you can buzz off and do whatever you like. Um, and um, I, I, I'm, we'll put a link somewhere, won't we? Yeah, Steve, for sure. For the, Definitely. For the tickets. Definitely. Um, tickets are selling fast though. So okay. people are really, really excited and really, yeah, they just can't wait to come and hang out and sing Christmas songs. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, yeah, awesome. All right, Nina, this has been great. I, I'm so glad we got to meet and, and yes, thank you. have a chat and um, great. look forward to seeing, seeing you in person. Yeah, look, I'm hoping to get to Sydney. I'm, I tried to do I, – I had gigs in Sydney. I had them yeah. booked and we had to move them three times and yeah, then we right. just went, right. We're chucking it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I will figure some things out and definitely come back up to Sydney and uh, do some gigs up there. That'd be cool. Awesome. That'd be great. All right, Alrighty. look after yourself and um, – Good luck with everything. Thank you. Sweet and to as. you too, Stevie. Thanks for having me. Ah, sweet, Nina. Catch ya. Bye. Thanks. Bye.